You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Quick programming note before we join the show. This was recorded before the Josina Anderson report with the quote from the anonymous player talking about the passing game and the whole Jalen Ramsey thing that, that has already been dealt with. So this show does not address this. However, Kiss and Solak 134 was recorded after that. That'll be released later today, and we will definitely address that nonsense on that show. So sorry about that, but enjoy the show and keep an eye out for the next one. Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 133, brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always... Joined by the best dog on co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, Dallas Week. Let's do the things. Do it. Let's do it. How you doing? Uh, good old Goddard Week. There's nothing better. <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm well, man. Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. And indeed. And this is cool. Like, it's cool. Dallas is interesting. You know, like, like Dallas and Philadelphia both taking pretty weird routes to get to where they are right now, which is both three and three in a huge divisional matchup. The Dallas Cowboys offense, probably the most interesting study through the first six, seven weeks of the season in terms of being really good and then being not as really good. And so I think we're, I mean, like it's Sunday night game. There's going to be a lot of eyes on it. I think it's a really fun matchup to, to look at, to prepare for. Yeah, and what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be covering that matchup. And we're still waiting on some injury reports. We're kind of doing a doubleheader recording here, full disclosure. So we're going to be doing the Dallas offense against the Philadelphia Eagles defense on this show on the KNS 134. We'll flip sides. We'll do the Eagles offense against the Dallas Cowboys defense. And then we'll kind of dig into more of the injury report as we get that Thursday. It should drop like any minute now. But of course, we'll talk about some players that might be in or out for the Cowboys. Some of them might be game time decisions, but we'll talk about that as well. But man, let's dig in to this matchup because there is a lot to talk about. Like you said, very interesting for the Cowboys. And you look at this Cowboys offense, the reason why it's interesting, they still rank, which is so weird to me, but they still rank second in Football Outsiders DVOA. And I'd say that's in part because they faced the 31st ranked combined DVOA defenses. And because it's early in the season, football outsiders nerfs their opponent adjustments within the metric. So there's some context behind that. They're definitely not performing like the number two. Also, we need to take a moment to discuss the fact that the... uh early season adjustment rankings are called Dave. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Which I think is amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's obviously been a fall off with their production. First three weeks in the three wins, they averaged 32.3 points per game. Next three weeks in the three losses, it drops to 18.7 points per game. Their touchdown drive frequency is down 46% to 19%. Their turnover drive frequency is down, or excuse me, is up. 7.1 7.1 to 19%. So in the last three weeks, 
they have had as many turnover drives as they have had touchdown drives, which is not optimal for an offense. Their ground game went from 5.5 yards per carry to 3.9, despite them leaning even heavier on the ground game. Red zone touchdown production drops from 82% to 44%. Money down conversions, 42%, 29%. Passing success rates are down 60% to 51%. Yards per attempt are down 9.8 to 8.2. Pressure rates are up 21% to 44%. They saw an uptick in drops too. For example, weeks one to three, Carson Wentz had the most dropped balls at 10. Weeks four to six, Dak Prescott leads the league with 10. Combined, Philadelphia has 17 on the season. That's first. Dallas has 16 on the season. That's second. And for my money, the offensive struggles for Dallas is in no way fully on Dak's shoulders. You watch the Jets game, and look, that wasn't Dak's best game. And I talked about this on the QB Scope Show with Mark Schofield, but he had some placement issues throughout. But he also made some darn good throws while being the most pressured quarterback in the league in week six at 55%. He hung tough. It's a big deal. Yeah, stood in there. And I think that's the one thing with Dak I don't think you can question is, is his toughness. Absolutely. But the offensive problems aren't all on him, at least in terms of the magnitude, because the entire offensive line watching this line outside of Zach Martin is on the struggle bus. Travis Frederick is back, but he's not the same. Nobody can catch. Amari has struggled in that regard, despite his dynamic production. Gallup had three drops against the Jets, has six on the season. He hasn't been able to catch anything despite his flashes. As I noted before, the run game has fallen off considerably, probably due to overutilizing it in disadvantageous situations. Amen. Third and 10 runs. Right, yeah. Someone please explain. Yep, and they shift to a a 50-50 run-pass ratio team on early downs in the first half over the last three weeks to the chagrin of many smart people in Dallas media that have pointed it out ad nauseum because it's got to be frustrating. And and, and the weird thing with this Dallas offense, I I, I think the, the fix is very simple, and Schofield agreed with me on this. From weeks one to three, they were second in play action at 39%. It's anywhere from like 16 to 17%. I've seen it from weeks four to six. That's 30th in the league or 29th, depending on which site that you're using. I would expect that to change against the Eagles, Mm -hmm. considering what we saw with Kirk Cousins, because one way to slow down the Eagles pass rush is to move the launch point and just to move away from it. Give them... Give the defensive line something to think about, something to attack first, and then move your quarterback out of the way. And when Dak's on the move, that's a strength of his. If the Cowboys want to get back to the identity that they had weeks one through three, this has to be the week for them in a game that's for the division lead. Look, I mean, other than that, when you look at this offense, they're still using formation shifts. They're still using motion, all things you do to force coverage checks and give your quarterback pre-snap information regarding man versus zone and matchups. And if I had to guess, the Eagles are a bit of an open book on the checks that they can get forced into. And as we all know, they're slapped bad at them. The communication and the execution thereafter is severely lacking in the secondary. That's how Dallas can catch the Eagles off guard. And they're going to need it badly. If if Amari can't go, and it might not be apparent right away with with the shot plays maybe coming later in the game. But I mean, in round one, to use like boxing terms, they might jab and circle and get their timing down and use some shifts to see what checks the Eagles are going to do. But next thing you know, as the rounds go by, they start humming some humdingers in there, some haymakers on you. And next thing you know, your butt's on the canvas. And I have serious doubts about whether or not this Eagles defense can recover from that if they start getting you know deep shots on them. Because as Jenkins pointed out, this game ain't for suckers. And right now, Eagles cornerbacks are not playing with a whole lot of confidence. Ben, what are your thoughts? All right, Jalen Mills comes back. We're not going to be lacking for confidence. <laughs> we might still be getting burned, but he'll... We might, we might still be lacking for good plays, but we will not be lacking for confidence, my good man. Absolutely. There's a lot. Like I said, this is layered. This is nuanced. There's a lot that goes into it. So I want to start... Yeah, like, let's talk. Like, I, you know, we talked a little bit about can we get back to the identity, right? Dallas is a, was a number two in the league 
in terms of explosive passing plays right now, generating them on 14% of their passing attempts. That's second only to Minnesota, as a matter of fact. So (laughs) Eagles probably helped with that number a little bit. But this is a team that's able to, to, yeah, push the ball down the field. I think the really interesting and fun thing about the, the Kellen Moore offense and the route concept specifically is that Moore wants to flood downfield zones. Mm. That's that that's that's a cojones coordinator right there. You know what I mean? Like if that's what you're orienting to do, you're you're trying to, you know, go out there, score some points, you know, sling the pill around the yard a little bit. You know, we might want to say it that way. Moore is oriented on getting multiple breakers, 10 plus, 15 plus yards down the field. And it's a really cool thing to see. We talk about window throws, We're talking about throwing to the intermediate levels of the field. I think something that Prescott's been really strong at this year whether inside or outside of the numbers window throws you know typically we're, we're looking to widen and draw down attract confuse linebackers to put them in predictable spots with underneath route concepts and then throw it over the top or between them to hit intermediate windows and like i said multiple breakers were flooding downfield zones what i like about what dallas does is that they give you a first look in an area of the field, and then they give you a second look entering that area of the field. So you see smash divide concepts, you see Haas wide juke, you see all outs, you see four verticals, things that are going to allow Prescott to read half of a field Mm. with multiple receivers in that area. Now, the thing about this is that, number one, you need really good route runners, and they've got it when Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, and Michael Gallup are on the field. They might have none of those yeah, guys, Mike. Crazy. They might have, which is is a huge deal for that offense because Cedric Wilson, Tavon Austin, and Noah Brown is a little bit of a different profile in terms of the receivers you got to do. You with. saw what happened now, in the Jets game, and if I can just throw some stats at you real quick, please, please, please. When Amari Cooper is off the field, their run success rate goes down seventeen percent this year. This is all via the Quant Edge, by the way. Love those guys. They have this injury impact tool that you can use. It's fantastic. So run success rate with Amari off the field down fourteen percent. They're actually sixteen percent. Wow. Pass success rate is down five percent. Good reading, you idiot. Their explosive pass percent <laughs> is down eight percent. Their sack percent's down. Their yards per carry is down from five point three to three point nine. Their yards per pass pass attempt are down from ten point four to 6.7 10.4 when he's on the field 6.7 when he's off the field that is for what's that massive that's yards per attempt oh that's not kind good. of important <laughs> <laughs> so Amari cooper is on the field their offense just gets four yards further down the field right so cooper who did not practice uh this is as of thursday did not practice on wednesday randall cobb who did not practice on wednesday michael gallup who was limited on wednesday so there we are uh, noah brown is on the pup list so it's Tavon Austin, Cedric Wilson. Tavon Austin took 93% of the snaps against the Jets, Mike. Outside reps. Did, when was the last time he did that? Not, that ain't a <laughs> problem. And that's then and, and and listen, like when the Eagles were starting Craig James, this is what the equivalent is on the wide receiver size when you're starting Tavon Austin, Cedric Wilson. You know what I mean? So good matchup. Okay, so you yeah. need right, so you need multiple guys who can run layered breaking routes, multi-break routes, we would call them down the field. Okay, so cool. The other thing you need is long pass protection. You need the quarterback to spend time in the pocket and he needs to have the ability to, like his first read may not develop until that 2.5 second mark, right? That we always like talk about. And that's his first read not developing at that time. Well, if it's, if, if he's working to his second read, now we're reaching three seconds. So this is a long time potentially sitting in the pocket, right? And so what the Cowboys do, and I think this is a really important and generally underrated aspect of their offense in terms of how it's designed and how the 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 team flows kellen moore does not run a spread 
He doesn't run a spread offense. It's not. It's not. And, and we we like to call spread offense. We like to take every like you know innovative offense and call it a spread offense. Yeah. It's not a spread offense. Other than when they run all curls, but yeah, right, yeah. Which like yeah, they'll. they'll I mean, they'll run a quick game. Right, 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 right. But right. to me, it's not spread. I agree. I agree. Because they give you regular twelve and thirteen personnel looks. And even if they're going in 11 or 12, they'll take Randall Cobb and they'll put him in a H-back. They'll put him in a sniffer. They, the Eagles do this with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, right? They're regularly giving you what I would call large surfaces. They're giving you a, a, a very big look in the front in terms of the, the real estate that that offense is, that offensive line is, is, is covering, is presenting. So we got two inline tight ends. We got three inline tight ends. Name of God, the third tight end is Dalton Schultz and they're trying to get this dude on the field, which. <laughs> Different conversation, but so, so 13 personnel looks. We got a fullback who will bring in, Jamise Oluwale. We'll bring him in. Now we're in 22 personnel. Now we're in 21 personnel. They give you, and then a lot, with a lot of this pre-snap motion, this horizontal look, we're again widening your defense, the, the, the surface of the offensive line, stretching out your defense just in that area, in your defensive line, your front four have to cover a lot of real estate, right? So now this wide surface, what does this do? It allows the tackles to be really aggressive. I would be surprised if there's a team in the league who's short setting and jump setting as much as the Cowboys were, especially early in the season when they were healthy. Week one, week two, week three, when you still had guys like, uh, uh, what's his name? Teron Smith, who was still active and he was still playing, right? They've now lost some of these starting offensive tackles to the starting offensive tackles to injury. Accordingly, when they go to these jump sets, which they're continued to do in week four, week five, especially against the Packers, week six against the Jets, they were struggling in pass protection when these tackles were asked to short set, when you were asking Cameron Fleming to jump set. It's not what Cameron Fleming is good at. It's a big weakness. You know, you, you, you're asking him to be very aggressive and to come right at offensive, right at defensive ends, who are going to now have two-way goes on him if they can work back inside. If he doesn't land his initial punch, it's a quick win, and then it's a quick pressure. Zadarius Smith was just walking this dude back, just taking his chest and putting him in Jack Prescott's lap regularly, regularly, regularly. Freaking Kyle Phillips, dominant. Whoever 48 is for the Jets, I don't even know his name. Great game. Because they're getting all these really short sets in empty protections, and they're not, Cowboys are not slide protecting. They're not, they're not, they're not going to, I don't know, leave running backs into chip. They use this really wide surface with these jump sets. Yep. And when you've got seven guys on the line of scrimmage, cool. Dak Prescott is seventh highest in the league in times to throw per next-gen stats. He's at 2.84 seconds time to throw. Among guys like Marcus Mariota, Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield. So great company. That's what, Josh It's going to get a lot worse if, if Cooper continues to not be on the field. So this is what you need to run, to, to flood these downfield zones. You need to give your quarterback time in the pocket for the receivers to get there. With these backup linemen, it's not working. Yeah. It's not working. But the running game is predicated on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Cowboys are, 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 they run two concepts. They run inside zone and duo, which is... You know, we call it power without a puller. It looks a lot like inside zone at times. They run inside zone and do it. Now, they'll pin pull. They want to get a guy to the outside and they'll sweep. They, they pepper in stuff. But primarily, this is, you know, we want to go two tight end nub and we want to run inside zone to that side. We want to go two tight end nub and we want to do away from it. They're struggling with it. Yeah. And that's what, and listen, that's what they give Elliot. And the last three weeks, especially after the Teron Smith injury, I mean, Elliot originally from a snap count perspective for the Cowboys 
Week one snapped 54%, then 76%, then 67%. Tony Pollard was at 32%, 24%, 32%. And then week four hit, and Pollard dropped to 3%, 7%, and 9%. These numbers via football guys. Elliott went up to 97, 93, and 91. <laughs> In week four, which by the way is when they started losing, yeah. there was a concerted effort to feed Elliott more. And the running game got plainer. Accordingly, they stopped doing the creative stuff in the backfield with Pollard. They lost the Austin jet sweep stuff because now Austin's got to be out there running actual routes down the field because you got injured. receiver. And like, I get like this, how this all kind of tumbles. You know what I mean? But they lost Pollard in the backfield to put Ellie in the backfield and the running game is vanilla. And it's, and they need, I don't, they really don't need it. You can run inside zone with five offensive linemen, but the way that they want to do it is with these two tight end sets, with these fullback sets, with these large boxes and these heavy number surfaces. Accordingly, and I think it's what you saw against the Jets in the first half, when they look to go to the quick game, you brought up all curls. When they look to go empty and they just run slants, they run curls, and they run outs, it's not a good offense. Right, I agree. It's not a good passing offense. Yeah. And Prescott does, is not great at, at, the, at good placement and tight windows in the short game. It's not his strength. You saw it against the Jets. There's a smattering of bad placement throws, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, they turn into turnovers. You know, bad mess to Amari Cooper. Yep. Turns into a turnover. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's Cooper drop. It's also behind him. You know, and like, this is the thing that, you know, if if Carson did that, we would all say it's a drop, but Carson got to put a better ball on him so we can say it about that. You know what I mean? So the, all, all this going to say, when we characterize the Cowboys offense, what gets harped on is play action, stack sets, and pre, pre-snap motion. And these are all important. And these have been talked about before. We've discussed them. Okay. But I think what what when I when I try to find the thread between a good offense in week three and a bad offense through the next three weeks, what I see is 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 offensive line issues leading to the protection theory, the the philosophy behind how they're going to pass protect, how their run to play action game works, is leading towards quick pressures and is not allowing them to execute their downfield passing game. That is what I would categorize as the biggest issue right now for Dallas. That is not going away. When you're not starting Teron Smith against the Eagles. Yeah. When you're not starting Lyle Collins against the Eagles. When Zach Martin is limited in practice. I think he had like a, he was like a, he was like, you know, um whatever, uh, uh, like personal reasons or whatever. But still, no Collins, no Teron Smith, no Cooper. They, I mean, these are again, these are the shakers and the movers of your offense here. Now, what I will say is against those jump sets, you do need to be able to have guys who can corner and win outside, right? Inside counters will work, but against jump sets, you have to have guys who win with explosiveness. That's not Philly's MO. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, you're starting edges. Mm. It's not how they win. Might be Josh Sweat game. Ooh. <laughs> Go Ben. Very exciting. It'd be nice to see Sweat. Sweat should be able to win against jump setters. He has a profile to do so. He's long and he's quick. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see. But either way. This is, so this is this is how I understand the Cowboys offense as it is. What they're going to do, you know, in, in terms of working around is like we talked about the quick game. And, I, you know, they're still going to have, I, regardless of who starts, they're going to have receivers who win one-on-one against Eagles corners. Unless Darby <laughs> and Mills are both back, right? They're going to have one-on-one wins. They're going to be able to get their deep shots down the field. But it's not going to be nearly as consistent as it was for them in the first three weeks of the season. I think it's because of the offensive line injuries. You don't think they're just going to go heavy play action and take advantage of the fact that nobody stuffs the box statistically more than Jim Schwartz to sell out to to stop the run? My big concern is that because Schwartz is likely going to be starting what? Kamugu J. Hill, Nate Gary, and TJ Edwards at linebacker, mm. that he's going to go nine guys in the box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's going to have such such a bad linebacker room. Andrew Sandeo is about to take 100% of the snaps in this game. 
you can't possibly, I mean, you can. Maybe the, maybe the phrasing there is, how do you stuff the box more than what Jim Schwartz is doing right now? And if he uses that rationale because of the linebacking group, I'll lose my mind. Because they're going to continue to be disconnected from the second level of coverage to the third level of coverage. They're going to be continue to be disconnected from the flat routes to the bail techniques that they have on the outside. And they're going to continue to struggle no matter who the wide receivers are. Because you're just giving them gigantic, gigantic amounts of space. And with Ezekiel Elliott there, you're thinking, oh yeah, Schwartz is going to load this puppy up. Elliott's going to have 2.7 yards per carry. It's going to be a win all around. And Dak's going to throw for 350 yards. <laughs> like I just, right. it just, it's so frustrating. There's man. no, there's no <laughs> game in the foreseeable future in which there's not a chance the Eagles just like give up 40 through the air, right? <laughs> right. We have to accept that as a reality. Yeah. We're living on the knife's edge of that at all times. <laughs> Maybe, you know, Mills and Darby comes back and Darby's actually healthy and is better and Mills is good or something. And yeah, there we go. You know what I mean? The, the whole problem is solved, but it's not likely. Um, so yes, that's there. What I would argue is the Cowboys really don't run too many what, you know, what I call the, you know, the vertical third routes. You know, they really don't run too many isolation routes, especially without Cooper. I mean, without once Cooper was gone against the Jets. Yeah. They need, unless it's hitches and outs, Mm -hmm. they're not running a ton of just straight nines down the field. They're not running a ton of double moves. You know, the stuff that Diggs and and, and Thielen murdered Philadelphia on. Things that Julio and Calvin and Justin Hardy (laughs) murdered (laughs) Philadelphia on, right? That's that's not what Moore likes to do. And I'm impressed by what Moore does in terms of working, you know, deep, like I talked about, flooding in deep zones with deep digs and with deep overs, so on and so forth. But these take time. And they're not re- they're like the Eagles should. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying. Oh boy, this. here we go. The Eagles should be able to sit and cover three against a lot of the stuff and be able to defend it like decently well. They really should. They they, they, they should. really should. And and here's the thing: Schwartz doesn't care about yards. He doesn't care about giving up a five to six yard reception. It's, it's very clear by the way he deploys his defense. You can hit a curl right. any day of the week. Why does he care so much about giving up four yards per carry on the ground? What? Where the explosive, the explosive plays come from? The, from the passing game, not from the running game. Are you kidding me? I, just, I mean, like, I'd, I'm obsessing. It would over be this. very interesting. It'd be very interesting. Like, like if you could choose between giving up a six-yard pass or a four-yard run, which would you choose? Asking him that, right? Because defensively, it looks like he'd prefer giving up six yards pass versus a four-yard run. To wit, the next question is: Are you aware that six is more than four? But somebody in Philadelphia media that goes to the press conferences ask that man yes. that question and throw throw the box numbers. Oh, at well, him. firstly. Schwartz is gonna kill him from the podium if they ask that. But yeah. right, I say they should be able to sit and cover three. Yep. Why? Well, because the Eagles and it's something that that we've gone over before. They like to drop a safety into that intermediate zone. They like to have a rat in that area, um, which they're going to want to do because they're going to want to be loading the box. They're going to want to have Jenkins playing down as a linebacker in large part because of the linebacker issues, but also as we've said, because the the Cowboys are going to go with two tight end looks. They're going to get Jason Witten and Blake Jarman on the field, and they're going to want to put Malcolm Jenkins over those guys. When this occurs, the, the Eagles, with that deep middle of the field safety, have regularly been asking him to drop down, right, and be a whole defender and run this inverted cover too. That should make sense against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are not running 
deep posts. They're not running flags. They're not running nines. It's not like, you know, and then with, with the I exception this, of Kellen Moore, Petty God running the same concept, the Yankee concept sure. with the extra shallow crosser against Washington. It's the same play that Washington ran against the Eagles in week one for a touchdown. I put that up on Twitter if you want to see it. Sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think like once you lose Cooper, you lose that player. For sure, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And so now it's, it's I feel like you should be able to run that coverage with some decent success against the Cowboys base concepts. Again, a coverage that Mike and I have reviled, but this seems like a spot where it could actually bring some success. So that's tremendous. <laughs> you can be able to take away the intermediate passing game, and that's what the Cowboys want to do. Cool. I brought it now. I, I do want to talk about Jenkins down in the box, looking at eight-man boxes. If the Eagles are going three linebackers, they're starting a rookie undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin and TJ Edwards, and he probably won't even be the liability because Nate Gary is also going to be out on the field. So it's a nightmare situation. Do you think against 12 that you're going to go big, big nickel and basically make Jenkins a linebacker? I mean, you should. Sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, against 12, you should be going big dime. You want Sendejo or Edwards on the field first? I want Sendejo. Good point. Yeah. So you go three corners and three, three safeties against 12. Mm. Sendejo can be a linebacker, in my opinion. Now, could you get beat up by a powerful running game on that? Yes. Should that be okay? Yeah. Will that be okay? No. Because six is more than four. We've been over this, yes. And the problem is, I think that if they start losing to Elliott early, then they're going to want to keep going heavy, and they're going to get Edwards and Gary in there, and then it's going to be the Jason Witten game. Witten's going to get 12 targets, 10 catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown, because right. they're not going to have anybody even go over him. Yeah. And if they if they incorporate Tony Pollard, which they haven't been, good night because the Eagles have no linebacker who can handle Tony Pollard as a receiver. And they're bad against twenty one personnel this this season so far. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So all of this now, you know, like linebacker alignment against tight ends, who's going to take who, what, so on and so forth. The other thing the Eagles have to look into, and this is really interesting with Bradham out because when they put a linebacker in the A gap, they typically like to do it with Bradham. Jets, Packers, uh, and what's the, whoever the heck the Giants, not the Giants, who does the Cowboys play in week four? Uh, Saints. Yeah, Saints. All found success. Remember when we talked about the Atlanta reduced front that they gave week two? Uh, they gave it week one against Minnesota and then ran it week two against Philadelphia. We talked about three defensive tackles in between the tackles. Yes. Nose guard, three tech and a three tech. Mm -hmm. Nose guard, four eye tech and a four eye tech. Saints, Packers, and Jets have all put that there against the inside zone looks, against the heavy looks. You get five lot defensive lineman on the line of scrimmage against nub sets or against you know uh tight ends each on one side of the formation and they've been very successful at stopping the inside run game with that mm -hmm. very successful mm -hmm. philadelphia does not like doing that they gotta look into it. i've seen them do it once you or twice we saw it once or twice on film where we're like whoa what's this wrinkle right <laughs> but you can't like if you in this you know frustrations with the coaching staff if you watch the saints and then especially the packers and the jets pull it out with success and you just don't incorporate it. I mean, pfft, come on. you know what I mean? Like, the, come on. Yeah. This, the, you know, the Cowboys on offense. Film. <laughs> right. And yeah. the running game has struggled the past three weeks in large part when it's facing these, these tighter interior fronts. Also, it gives you the added advantage of putting an extra defensive lineman on the field, which means you get to take a linebacker off and you're missing four linebackers. You cut Zach Brown and Nigel Brown. I'm probably not going to play. So instead of putting TJ Edwards on the field, Hassan Ridgeway at the zero, Fletch at the three, Brandon Graham slash Vinny Curry slash Josh Sweat at the other three. I know he might get pulled off by Zach Martin. Yes, it's going to suck. <laughs> but then you, two edges, you get five defensive linemen on. And if you really don't want to do that, put Camus on the line. Camus a good online Sam linebacker. It's one of his strengths. It's not what Philly likes to do with him, but it's something he's been done with success before. 
Get five guys on the line of scrimmage. If the Cowboys are going to widen the surface, they're going to give you seven bodies on the line, respond with a wide surface. Put five bodies on. This will help you stay heavy in the box without pulling all your safeties on or putting three linebackers in on the field because you do not want to put three linebackers on the field. You do not have good linebackers. Yeah. Why put three of them on when you could put two and then you only have two bad players on? So, you know, so this, I, I would love, love, love to see Philadelphia. When you re, you want to respond to those two tight end nub sets with, with, with a seven and a five, nah. I mean, like with a nine and a five, and you really want to put a safety on the line of scrimmage in the D gap is what you want to do. And then, in, in, and so you give a very physical gap oriented surface to runs that would go that direction. And then the Cowboys are going to try to run B gap inside zone off of that. And they're going to run a Fletcher Cox versus Zach Martin. And then you need your hundred million dollar man to beat their hundred million dollar man. You know, this is football. It's going to come down to Jimmy's and Joe's. The point here being the Eagles are going to load the box, but if they do it, it, like if, if they're doing it with Nate Gary and TJ Edwards, instead of getting their deep defensive line onto the field, it's fundamentally misunderstanding the ways in which you can handle big box numbers. I think it's important for the Eagles to consider getting five down linemen on the field. It's not what Schwartz typically does, but they have to consider it. We've seen Schwartz take examples from film before when it works for multiple weeks for other opponents. We saw it against the Rams last year and incorporate it with success. Does he do it this week? We don't know. We're going to find out. Seeing how this year is going so far, I just, I kind of doubt it. Let us pray. Let us us pray. All right. When we come back here on the Kist and Solak show, we're going to talk about some predictions for this game. That's coming up next. We'll be right back. We are back here on the Kist and Solak show, episode 133. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, so we kind of covered a lot of the different aspects of this game, passing game, running game, pass rush, all that stuff, the matchups therein, what we think Jim Schwartz could do. Let, let's go to the, the odds here from DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, the Philadelphia Eagles are underdogs by two and a half points. The over-under is set at 49, which, let me see here, 26-23? Do we want to call it that? That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, 26-23, which means, and we'll get to final predictions on the next show when we flip sides and do all the injury report and everything like that, but final prediction for the Cowboys. It's so dependent on Cooper. So do you think they score over 26 with Cooper and without? Yes. Both? You're asking me, listen. That's interesting. You're asking me to believe... You asking me to believe in this Eagles defense? Is that what you're asking me right now? I, 38 points, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, but brother, I mean, you you look at you look at what the Cowboys have been without Cooper, and I think it's weakness versus weakness. I mean, I re- I really do. So I think it I think that's more right. of a of a crapshoot. I agree with you. I have zero faith in this defense, as as I think I've just demonstrated throughout this entire week talking about this defense. If you, I'll put it to you this way: if you wipe the Jets game off. The Eagles have given up 27, 24, 27, 27, and 30. It's a good point. It's a good point. So. Cowboy, I think if the Cowboys get back to their identity with running a, a good amount of play action and not being such a run-heavy team like they weren't in in the first three weeks in neutral situations on right. early downs, I absolutely think they, they can take this defense to task. So, yeah, I do have a hard time not saying that they won't hit the Here, here's Here's how I put it to RJ Ochoa when I was on Blogging the Boys on their podcast network, part of the SB Nation family. If Cooper goes for over 100 with a touchdown, he's healthy. I see, I see no reason why the Cowboys can't have very good offensive success against the, the Eagles. Without Cooper, that picture is a bit more muddied. Without play action, mm-hmm. I think this pass rush can absolutely get after Dak and force some mistakes. It's hard for me. I'm going to go over. 
Right. God. I mean, I'll put it like here's the thing. Because <laughs> I'm just going to assume Cooper's going to play, and I'm going to I'm going to say they're going to go over. That'll that'll be my that'll be my out. Go ahead. Right. Again, if you wipe the Jets game, which they were playing Luke Falk, who the Jets proceeded to cut after Sam Donald <laughs> came back. So like, right. If you wipe the Jets game, the Eagles have not yet played a team where they've get they've they've not yet played a team and not given up a 100 yard receiving game to a receiver outside receivers right now and this is uh graham barfield who is uh, a nfl fantasy guy oh. and so this is put within the framework of mm. of ppr points but graham barfield tweeted this out last week no team is giving up more fantasy points per game ppr to outside aligned wide receivers than the philadelphia eagles yep, 31.54 PPR points per game to the wide receivers who are lined up outside. And it's a carryover from the DVOA from, from last year, that football outsiders put out there. They were, they were terrible. They were, 20, they were 27th against receivers outside in DVOA and have the hey. second highest volume. See? Right. I literally just was just pulling that stat. <laughs> uh, 27th and then the second highest volume outside receivers. So, like, yeah, if Cooper's back, he's going for a hundo. <laughs> Book it. Even if he's not, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you have faith that Jim Schwartz will sacrifice run defense no. to lock up Coop. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't either. And that's the problem. That's 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 right. my problem. So, yeah. Eagles are going to try to take away Ezekiel Elliott. That's going to be their goal. Jesus that's going to be priority one coming into the game is taking away Ezekiel Elliott. Just shoot me in the face. With, <laughs> yeah, with the, I will gladly. The, yeah, anyway. All right. It's no bueno. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So, that I'm, I'm over. And I'll, I'll be over until there's a reason otherwise. What I will say... Actually, no, I'm going to hold this for the end of the show when we give our full predictions. Okay. Teaser. And and just Podcast. and just so you know, just an update on the current information that we have. We don't have the – I haven't seen the, the Thursday report yet, but I did see that Tyrant Smith and Lyle Collins were getting individual work mm. on Thursday. So that's of note. If they play, that is massive. Even if just one of them plays, that's massive for the offense. So I'm kind of thinking Tyrant Correct. Smith plays, which – if there is a player that comes off an offense that has a bigger impact than, than Tyron Smith, maybe it's Amari right. Cooper, like in the entire league. So there's that. All right, Ben, that's going to do it for this show. Would you say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Ben's over here <sighs> yawning because I'm so Sorry, I was boring you while this X and O talk. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, guys. <laughs> uh, thank you as always. Uh, you know Seamus? He works for us. <laughs> I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Seamus hit me up the other day and asked me if I did forensics in high school because, right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a DM, because the kids who did forensics in high school had to talk super fast, mm. and he's always impressed at the end of the show where I do the roundup and I talk as fast as possible. Yeah, so. it's, not, it's not just medical talk. I have sales experience, and in sales, when you're trying to sell something, you talk super, super fast and just say, okay, See, at the end. <laughs> That's that's yeah, it. Cause but, yeah, because here's the thing. So people people like, oh, like, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? No. There's one very easy answer for why I speak this quickly. Squirrely. And if you met my mother, you would know. Anyway, <laughs> the great mosh. All right, for Seamus. Yeah, for Seamus. Thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Soul Life Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe whatever app you listen to your podcast. Of course, only five-star ratings will be accepted by the system. He's been Michael Kiss on Twitter, at Michael Kiss NFL. It's KSTF and Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Tomorrow, we will give you the Eagles defense against the Cowboys. No, 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 no. Eagles offense against the Cowboys defense, because this was the Eagles defense against the Cowboys offense. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Best friends. Goodbye. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. I love that you caught that.
That trips me up all the time. Yeah. I can't imagine that. Yeah, I got like 12 no's. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. P-G-N. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.